Hello there. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Joy Fountain podcast. It is my prayer that the message you're about to hear will in many ways than one feed your soul and strengthen your decision and resolve to follow Jesus. My name is Andaza Hezekiah, pastor at the Joy Fountain Church here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May your joy be full today in Jesus' mighty name. Now let's dive into the Word. John 3.16, yeah. For, uh, in the NLT, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. But have eternal life. And like I said, two weeks ago, I started, there was a strong impression on my heart to teach and preach on the subject the divine assignment. Well, at first it was the assignment. And I read a book years ago by Dr. Murdoch titled The Assignment. Years ago, very powerful book. So, but I felt uh, as of yesterday, I changed the title to The Divine Assignment because the more I prepared and thought about it and meditated, I felt that it was supposed to be The Divine Assignment. Amen. So let's start by talking about what the assignment is. But before then, John 3.16 shows us clearly that God loved the world, he gave his only son. Later on in John 20, 21, so John 20, 21, Jesus said to his disciples, as my father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. I want you to say the word sent, sent. Very key as we go on. Now, so in John 3, 16, we see that God gave. And when Jesus was talking about him coming, he said, my father sent me. So God gave his son, but Jesus said, my father sent me. So he was sent on a mission. We're talking about the divine assignment. So first of all, we will say, so I went to the dictionary and I, I'm, I'm picking this right out of the Cambridge English Dictionary. And it, it describes uh, the divine assignment. I just paraphrase here, picked out a, f- a few words and put it together. Uh, a piece of work given to someone. In bracket, I put set aside, task, a job, or a responsibility. Someone today was given the assignment to pass the basket so that you can have your communion cups during the service. Someone had the assignment of waiting there to say welcome to anyone who was coming in. I have the assignment today to preach this message. My wife had an assignment earlier on to do what? To do the bridge between the worship. There's something we call the bridge. The time of singing and the time uh, when we come off singing that we have a bridge. She took that. There is someone who has an assignment. My wife has an assignment today to teach at Joseph Generation. We're very busy. So she's out there doing that for the youth. But there are those you don't see. Suzanne had the assignment of putting this service together. We have a very organized, we have a system behind the scenes. Somebody put the message together early this morning so that we could have it on the screen. But that's not happening because of the situation. So we all have specific tasks. That's an assignment. So it's a piece of work given to someone. It's also a job that someone is sent somewhere to do. So you move from here to there and giving a task, a job from one place to the other. It could could happen here or it could happen over there. So Jesus came from God to mankind and he was a divine assignment. It's also an allocation of a place, space or resources. So an assignment is we are assigning $10,000 in our budget for such and such next year, 2020. That's, we're assigning this portion of funds for this and this thing. 
we can say also that we are assigning this space in the place we are renovating for meet and greet, for welcome. We're assigning this space for where people can give their tithes and their offerings. We're assigning this space for the children's Sunday school area. It's an allocation of place, a space, and the city of Winnipeg has actually allocated, they have allocated a space, a place on the city's website. So when you go to the ad address, it used to be warehouse, commercial. But now they've changed it to church because we applied for that. They've, that's assigned. So I don't know how long that would be, but for a very long time, it's going to be called a church. So how they tax it is different than if it wasn't. It's been assigned by the city for a use as a church. Two things are important for us as individuals. We must determine what our assignment is and run with it. It's your responsibility to determine. And a lot of times the reason why people don't determine takes me to the fifth point here is that they do not recognize their assignment or our assignment. So we have to determine what my, what your assignment is and then you have to recognize it. Maybe you recognize first. Recognition will lead you to determine the boundaries of the assignment. There are lifetime assignments. There are seasonal assignments. I have a lifetime assignment to preach the gospel. I could preach on TV. I could preach on, you know, on the internet. I could preach, I could write, do a blog. I could do all kinds of things. But my life assignment is to preach the gospel. I'm a pastor over a church. I have an apostolic responsibility with what I'm doing. Sometimes it's like, oh, is this going to go anywhere? Other times it's booming. Other times I have learned how to be abased and how to abound. If you haven't learned that as a Christian, it's going to be tough. Paul said, I have learned how to be abased and how to abound. So you have to know what your assignment is, if it's lifetime. And don't bother yourself about knowing all the details. Just know that there's a direction you are to follow and have peace in your heart about it. If you don't know, pray. God is so much willing to show you right now. He's willing to teach you. He's willing to take you and show you this is the course you are to follow. We are to recognize. May you recognize your assignment. I pray for you that you recognize your assignment in Jesus' name. And not just recognize, but also run with it. Amen. Now, there are seven assignment killers. Say with me, seven assignment killers. So I'll run through them very quickly. The seven assignment killers I'll share with you today are as follows. And if I say them, please repeat them after me, if you will, so that, uh, you know, we can come back and, uh, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let me hear the sound of your voice. All right? So the first one is fear. The second is facts. The third is feelings. The fourth is failures. The fifth is fa faults and flaws. The next one is following. And the last one is foes. F-O-E-S. That's your enemies. Okay? So these are the seven. Maybe there are more, but I found seven. Maybe there's fatigue. Maybe there's something else. I don't know. But this is the one. This is what I was able to prepare. Most times when I'm done, I just find that there's maybe five others that I didn't even think of. And I said, man, God, you have so much resource. God is eternal, eh? But let's start with fear. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, we see an interesting story. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, watch, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Can you hear me reading? Is this, uh, is this flowing? An angel appeared to him where? In a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God was about to give Mary and Joseph an assignment for Jesus Christ to come through his family. Heavy assignment. But Joseph was afraid. Because in their culture, a woman found without child should be stoned. I mean, with child, without a husband, should be stoned. But the Holy Spirit had put the seed in her. Miraculously. Think about that for a moment. He was afraid. The fear would have made him put her away. Maybe God would have found someone else to do it. But our God is a God who plans. If you go to Matthew chapter 1, you will see the, 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 the genealogy of Christ from Adam, traced all the way to Adam. The Bible is a very cogent piece of uh, document that historians, archaeologists, and in fact, many of the findings today in places like Jerusalem and Egypt and all of this, uh, the Middle East, where a lot of Bible history took place, People go to the Bible first to consult. They look at those old names and they are able to trace. It's a very reliable document. If something appears uh, inconsistent, it's because people are speaking from different perspectives when they relay a story. So we see the genealogy of Jesus Christ and all the names of the people in Matthew chapter 1, all the way it is traced, is amazing. And so God had a plan that someone called Joseph, just like God has a plan that someone called you or you or Mark or, you know, or David or whoever. God has a plan for your life. And so it's coming. The grace is coming for you to do what only you can do, what he has designed for you to accomplish. But fear can come. And where does fear come from? Our past. The things that we faced. How our parents raised us. Don't do that. You can't do this. Some families are so negative, so negative, that when their children become adults and they face life, they can't do anything. They can't take a step. They can't hold a job because of the amount of negativity that they've been incubated in. Some people are so afraid because they are the last born in their family. They never were able to speak up. Every time they were to speak up, the mom and dad said, shut up. So the older siblings also learned, shut up. So every time they want to say, hey, 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 you don't have anything to say. Oh, no, no, yeah. So when they become an adult, it continues. There are 50-year-old people who struggle with that because they have a situation where if, if they face a situation, they are unable to do anything because all they have been conditioned is what? Shut up. You have nothing to say because of their age. But now they are 50. Their older siblings are 60 and 65. That thing still continues. Instead, it, should not, it shouldn't have continued, but it now affects them for all of their lives. So when they face a situation, fear comes up. Some people can't, they have a problem because of, you know, where they've worked before or the people they've dealt with before. So fear stands in the way. Is this, is this blessing someone this morning? Fear. The second is facts. I'm talking about the seven assignment killers. The seven divine assignment killers. The things that if you give room in your life, they will kill God's 
the, the work that God wants you to do. People say, well, it's God's work. It will happen anyway. No, no, no. God has done it all. He's finished the plan. But you have to work out the plan with him holding your hand. The facts. In Luke chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 1 and verse 18 to 20. It says here, Zechariah, uh, the priest, when he went into the Holy of Holies, the angel of God appeared to him and said, you will have a son, right? He told him about having a son. And he said in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Now, Zechariah should have known that Abraham was old and he and Sarah had a child. They were both old. They were past the age of bearing, right? But they believed God. So, but he said, I, I'm, how can I show, I'm sure, this, how am I sure this will happen? That's what many of us as Christians do today. We pay attention to the facts and we allow the facts to derail the truth. I've told you many times, facts and truths are not the same. Observable facts may lead to a conclusion and yet the facts may have room for amendment. The facts may have room for you to change course. The fact is, yes, I'm poor. I don't have money in my account. But the truth is, God is your father and he's richer than the richest. Hallelujah. See, this message will be online so you can go and watch it. I think after Tuesday or Wednesday, wherever it gets there, watch it. Listen to it. It'll change your life. Facts. The fact is we're old. <laughs> we're old. We can't, give, we, can't, we can't do this. But there was a divine assignment for them. So how did God solve the problem? Because God wanted him to do it. And the Bible says, verse 19, Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. You will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. So God saw that Zechariah's mouth will put him into trouble and probably derail the assignment. So he said, shut up for a season. Number three, the third thing that can derail divine assignment is our feelings. This is a big one. It's a big one. Everybody here has feelings. And some of us are driven by our feelings. Our feelings control what we say, what we do. The danger of that, that's why we teach our children to manage their feelings. Because if you don't, you will find out the day you are employed that your employer has the last say, not your feelings. That's why when people get angry on social media and they're just saying rubbish, rubbish about the church they attend, rubbish about somebody who's done something to them, it's there. You go for an interview, the first thing they do these days is they just check out your social media and see what kind of person you are. If every day somebody offends you, boom, you slam them on social media. Oh, boom, you slam them on social media. It's, that's your resume you are building. We have to manage our feelings. It's our responsibility. The Holy Spirit will not do it for you. He will help you. He will bring you to the place of conscience awakening. He look at your conscience, help you. Then you can make a decision. That's what is called Christian maturity. There are so many Christians who are not mature. mature the, the mature believer keeps improving their life. They don't look for excuses. That's the way I am. 
Please don't say that. Because there's only one person who said, I am that I am. When you say that's the way I am, you have just locked yourself down. That's the way I am. That's the way I am. You are angry and you are destroying everybody and the relationships in one minute. One goes up in flame. You say, that's the way I am. And you walk out the door, slam the door. Okay. You go somewhere else, that's just the way I am. You're wondering now, see, if you don't change, people may like you and love you, but they will never promote you. Because there's a price to pay for the next level. So we can't walk on our feelings. Luke chapter alone, Luke chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, the same one here. His feelings have got him to a point where he says, I, I don't think I can do this. I've shared the story of Elijah with you too. Elijah had just called fire down from heaven. And Elijah is running away from Jezebel's threat to kill him. And he says, God, just take my life. I am not better than my, my, the prophets of old. Take my life. His feelings made him say what he shouldn't have said. So let's, let's allow our feelings to be inside and not cause us to say things that we shouldn't say. You can express how you feel, but we have to be very careful with the things that we say when we're feeling out of it. Feelings rob people of their divine assignment and so robs us of blessings because of how we're just feeling, just feel, you know. Let me tell you something. You know, personally, I have grown over the years. I used to uh, allow my feelings to really, really move me here and there. And uh, I found out that there are some mornings I don't want to preach. Now, here's the truth. I will tell you the truth. Can I tell you the truth? I've been telling you the truth. Honestly, friends, I don't feel like preaching some days. And I'm sitting there in the morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm awake. I've been, this has been like that for years, for decades. Once it's 3.30, my spirit becomes awake and open to the heavenlies. That's just, it's been like that for many years. So, whether I like it or not, I'm telling you, there are times I don't want to lay hands on people, but I function still. This is why people can't understand sometimes how someone who may not be, it's like, how oh, what's going on? But they're still doing well here. It's because it's a calling, it's an assignment. It's not me, it's someone else. So when I'm not feeling like it, I just show up, the message has been given. I am the messenger. I still deliver the message. I'm not that day, I don't feel very excited. But some of you, you know what? You're not excited. You know what you do? You just turn on the side of the bed and just sleep. No, I'm going to church today. Because nobody pays you a salary to show up in church. But on Monday, you still feel that way. But oh, <laughs> those eight hours are very important because it goes towards your mortgage. Oh, out you go. That's why the Bible says money answers all things. Let's, let's ask people to volunteer. Let's ask people to do something where they, they, they don't have a position. Don't give them position. Don't give them. Let's see. That's why you test to see who really wants to serve the Lord. <laughs> That's how you find leaders. People who just do things without being told. They, they, they see a problem. They want to solve the problem. Let's not walk with our, let's not allow our feelings to dictate. Otherwise, the assignment may pass on to someone else. But I, I, God is so patient. Look at what he did with Joseph. Look at what he did with uh, uh, Zechariah. He said, you won't speak until the child is born so that you don't spoil what I want to do. The next one is failures. We're talking about seven assignment killers, failures. So God overturned Moses' murder, uh, murder label. Moses was a murderer. He had killed someone in Egypt, but God overturned that. And Moses went back to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. So uh, your failure yesterday can't stop. You know that. You've heard that before. Faults and flaws. 
There's no person who doesn't have a certain flaw or faults around them. Moses thought that his stuttering, which was a flaw, condemned his destiny. He knew his destiny was to deliver the children of Israel. But because he stuttered, he felt he would never be good at speaking publicly. But God said, no, I'm going to speak through you. And today, friends, God will speak through you in spite of your limitations. Amen? Following. You know, our divine assignment can be crippled by our search for amens. Our search for a following. And we live in a world today where, honestly, with social media, a lot of people are deceived. And uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong in having a following, but it scares me to think that that's all that matters to some people, is how many people are following me. If you dig into the scriptures, you become, you realize that a following can crush a human being. And this is why we must not depend on the follower. You must not depend on the follower. You know, a lot of music stars, Hollywood stars today, they believe certain things in their heart, but they dare not say it with their mouth. Because there are one million Instagram followers will suddenly attack them and say, what? You can't say that. And they say, okay, 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 okay. I apologize. I apologize. But what they really believe in their hearts, they are not free to say because they don't want their, to lose their Instagram followers. Everything depends on how many people they have following them. See, when you know God, your dependency is not on how many followers you have. Your dependency is on the supreme commander. That's why we all need a personal relationship with God that is on the growing. You know, it's, it's growing. That's what I meant to say. It's growing. Because a time will come when you need that. So Jesus gave up his following for his assignment. Let me prove it to you. In John chapter 6 verse 15, they had decided they were going to make Jesus a king. Because if someone, if you have a politician who comes here today and says, vote for me as your premier. And says, all right. I wave my hand to the left and to the right. I wave my hand to the hocus pocus. The more you see, the less you understand. Whoosh. And there's money flying out from the sky. And he says, you want more? He waves his hand again and then there's food. And people will say, you know, I think we should vote for him because the economy will do fine. All he has to do is wave his hands. The people saw him multiply bread and fish. So they said, if this guy is our king, we will always have food to eat. So let's make him king. The Bible says when he saw that they were going to come and make him king, he left them and went to the mountain to be alone with God. This is the secret of success in the spiritual life, that you are willing to walk alone. You are willing to walk alone. The last one, I mean, I mean just before I go, here is, if we will be faithful to God, God will show himself faithful on our behalf. By the way, he says he's faithful because he cannot deny himself, even when we are unfaithful. This doesn't mean that what it means that God is faithful. He remains faithful. But there are consequences to us deciding to do things our own way. But he will always be with us, speaking to us, showing us which way to go. It's like when I say I don't feel like preaching. And some mornings, like this morning, I really felt like preaching. And I'm not running around. You know, sometimes when I don't feel like it is when I run around the most. Not all the time. There are times when I would come, I'm tired. It's like, oh, but suddenly the anointing will hit me. Maybe a song as we're singing. There's something in the song and I go, boom, that's it. And as soon as I get up here, 
I'm speaking, there's so much power. There's so much strength. And when we get home, everybody in the house is alive. My children are excited. They're talking. They say, oh, daddy, the message. You know, my children actually are the ones who tell me things. They after the service. Each one has something to tell me. Philip is the, my biggest critic. Uh, he'll say, you know, you were speaking too fast today. You know, when you made that point about this, I was like, you were listening. Yes. So they've been for years. They just say, you know, you could say this like this. Uh, you know, my daughter always say, you know what, that you don't say that. This is what you actually, you know, you know, this is, this is how you say this. I say, oh, okay, really? Well, well you know, but, <laughs> you know, and I'm telling you, following, Jesus gave up his, gave up his following for his assignment. The last one, and I can show you other scriptures, but you know, we don't have the time for that. The last one is our foes. In Matthew chapter two, verse 20, you see, Herod wanted to kill Jesus, right? So an angel appeared to, uh, in a dream to Joseph and said, take the baby to Egypt. So they fled to Egypt. But years later, he, he, he said to, to, to them in Egypt, the angel said to them in Egypt, or to Joseph, the people who wanted to kill him are now dead. Here's the point. Those who planned to kill the baby Jesus died before him. <laughs> See that? God took them out one by one. If someone is standing in our way, I'm not saying anybody should die. The point I'm making is God is going to move them out of our way in order for his assignment. Because it is his work. It's not the work of a human being. It's God's work. And nobody can stand in the way of the almighty God. When it is time, God moves and he does what only he can do. We have talked about what today? The divine assignment. And I'm trying to connect this in this season as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we do all these things. I always tell people that if you wait only till December to celebrate the life of Jesus, you are missing a lot. That's why we are stuck on a message. We just read a certain scripture in Christmas, uh, uh, during the Christmas season, and that's it. No, it's not just about the three or the many wise men or how many wise men came with all the frankincense, gold, and myrrh. It's not just that. There's more to it. There's deeper revelation. There are things we can learn surrounding the circumstances of the birth of Christ. There's a lot we can learn. And that's why I'm saying today that the Jesus that we follow was on divine assignment. He was sent by God for you and I. And these are the things, the people in those, you know, at that time, his parents, you know, his, you know, adoptive parents, uh, Zechariah, the, his, uh, the, the, the parent of John, the father of John, who was a cousin of, of Jesus Christ. All of these people, it's good to look at them, see them, ap apply them to yourself. What happened in that season? What really happened? I really like how someone did something on, on, on about social media. That if social media was then that uh, in those days, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. They were talking about how Mary, Joseph said he didn't know how the baby got there. And others were saying, oh yeah, right, indeed. We didn't, you know, like it was interesting how people are thinking and applying it to their self in these times. I'll go over the seven assignment killers again. The first one is fear. The second is facts. Just because you know this is a fact, a fact is not always the truth. It can lead to the truth. Feelings, failures, our faults and flaws, our following, looking for who is behind us, who is supporting, who is saying, oh, we have to go. There are times where, for example, you are starting a business. You are probably going to get a lot of naysayers because they say, well, nobody in our family has done that before. Why are you trying to do that? That's not the way to go. Why are you guys doing that? Why do you give to your church? Why do you give to charity? Why do you do A lot of things will come. Look, friends, <laughs> you have to come to the point where, like I said, Jesus was willing to what? Walk alone. Walk alone. As soon as he did that, God rewarded him. Today, 
There are over 1.6 billion people who say they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he is the central figure of human history, whether people like it or not. And the last one is our foes. Those who say we won't succeed. Those who say the church can't move on. Let me tell you, the church cannot be destroyed. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. If it, if it could, it would have been destroyed long ago. If you see a church close its doors and fail, it's from within the church. It's not from outside. People will come. People will go. People will fight the church. People will spread slander and gossip. Leaders in the church may fail. They may leave. They may get angry. The church is not a human program. It's divine. It's the life of God. So tell me, how can you destroy God? It's not, it's not possible. Look at the story of Joy Fountain, how we've been coming, the things that we've been through, the things that we've had to endure, sometimes the lack of finances, sometimes the lack, it, and, and yet we just keep, it's somehow there's this grace to keep going, grace to keep going. You know, a few months from now, we will not be in this school anymore. This chapter will close. It will close as far as the history of Joy Fountain, and that opens a completely new chapter. You know, friends, we will face many red seas in our life. But what did God speak to Moses? He said, why are you crying to me? Tell the people that they should do what? Go forward. Friends, we have to have an attitude of those who what? Go forward. In spite of the situation and circumstances, in spite of what we see, we're going to go forward. We just need to determine, is this an assignment for me? I want to ask you today, those of you seated here, what's your assignment? Maybe you don't know your life assignment. But while you are here today, do you know this Sunday, there's a reason why you are here. It's because you are looking for that assignment. God has an assignment for you. You came here today. Some of you have been here for a number of years, five years. You know, you may know me as a minister in charge of this assembly, but I'm not the one you are following. You're following Jesus Christ. I may say something here that you didn't like this morning, but say God says this is where you are called. I'm not going to do everything that you like. So sometimes you won't like me. Sometimes I won't like you. But am I an assignment to you? Are you an assignment to me? If that is the case, then report to God. And say, Lord, this is it. What do I do? The key to success in the spiritual walk, you see, we have to learn to walk with God, even if we find it difficult to work with people. When you work with people, it will be tough. But if you are walking with God, and you have people on this side, you have God on this side, you'll get where you are going. The patience of God will help you. The grace of God will help you. The reality is we're in a war zone. The world itself is a war zone. But I have one guarantee for you. If you hold on to the Lord, you will win. In fact, before you won, you are declared a winner. Isn't that amazing? He declared you a winner. Lift up your right hand and say, I am a winner. I'm a winner. You won. And for our church, I have this word of prophecy. Promotions are coming. I've said it before. Uh, one of our brothers was praying uh, yesterday at the demolition and he said something I had said. And I said, my goodness, he remembered. He remembered. And that gave me joy. I, I know I said it. That the time is coming. The Lord will bring people to help. And many of the people who were helping us yesterday have only been with us for a year or two. Some of you have come in with amazing gifts. In the next few months, there'll be an opportunity for those gifts to come out. Please don't keep your gift. Are you a worship, uh, you, you sing in the shower? Stop singing in the shower. Come and sing here. Well, sing in the shower, but sing here also. Can you, can you play the guitar? Are you a drummer? Maybe it's that gift 
guitar player, God brought you here because you are a guitar player and said, I want to use that gift for the Lord. We've had many people who have been here. Some of them have been trained, they've moved on. They've been discipled, they've moved on. But God is bringing fresh people, new people. There's an assignment for you. Part of it is your being here. When your time has come and you've completed your assignment, God will move you elsewhere. <clears throat> but let's be open to the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning? Are you sure? I want you to do something. I want you to give the Lord a loud clap and a loud shout. You know why I ask people to do that? People wonder sometimes, why do we do this? Why? I'll tell you why. Say this after me. The spirit travels on sound. Say it loud and clear. The spirit travels on sound. Acts chapter 2. A sound from heaven. That was when the Holy Spirit was coming to stay. Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit of God was hovering. No traveling, just hovering. By verse 2. And the Lord said, let there be light. Suddenly the Spirit of God went, whoosh. The Spirit moves on sound. I want you to give the Lord a loud clap and a shout of praise. Can we do that? One, two, go. Everybody. <laughs> Children know it better than we do. When my son was two years old, he would go, ah! and he would say, whoa, 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 whoa. So why do you do that? He kept doing it till he was three. You know why? The spirit travels on sound. Inside him felt better when he did that. That's why our spirits get elated when we clap at the stadium. And you know now they're trying to stop people from clapping. And the Bible says, clap your hands, O ye people. Shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. Give him one more clap. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. Were you blessed by the message? Do you have any questions? Did you make a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord? Please let us know. You can contact us by sending us a message on our contact page at joyfountainchurch.com. Have a blessed day.